0: Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers.
1: Hi there, this is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast And in this week's episode, I catch up with somebody who specializes in prolific writing and in helping students overcome challenges like writer's block. His name is Pascal Gambardella. But before we get into this week's interview, I just want to tell you a little bit about what I've been up to. And I actually read an interesting article online by a therapist about journal writing. And journal writing is actually one of my favorite writing practices. Uh, I've spoken before about how each morning I like to write a 150 to 300 word journal entry about things I've been considering or writing challenges or even just what I did yesterday. I find it's a great way of turning up in front of the blank page regularly. In the article that I read, the American therapist and author Dr. Penny Baker says that one of the interesting problems of writing too much, especially if you're going through a difficult time, is that writing can become more like rumination. And that's the last thing in the world you need. My recommendation is to think of expressive writing as a life course correction as opposed to something you commit to doing every day for the rest of your life. In other words he's getting at the idea that journaling can become a form of rumination and suggests that you should do something else if this happens and I certainly find that's true. If you're struggling with a creative challenge perhaps there are other pursuits that you can enjoy that will help you feel more energized when you sit down at the blank page. Pursuits that I usually follow include things like long distance running or CrossFit or even just doing something that's not to do with the internet. And I find when I follow a pursuit like this, it helps me get over problems like writer's block faster. That said, the difference is journaling for writers is a form of practice because it encourages you to turn up and to articulate your ideas no matter how unrefined they are. I found that true journaling, it's a little bit like planting seeds in the garden. Some of them may take and some of them you may use later on and some of them you probably won't do anything with. But it's still a useful exercise because it gets you warmed up for the day's work. Of course, if you're not a writer, then perhaps rumination and the caution that Dr. Penny Baker mentions in his article are things to consider. Over the years, I've kept journals in traditional notepads in a password protected file on my computer. And lately, I've been using the app Day One. The way I've set it up at the moment is I have a series of journals within Day One about topics like creativity, productivity, business, books, money, regrets, lessons, writing, friendship, debt, sex, family, routine, and so on. And I found that all these mini journals inside of Day One gives me confines or context within which to write an entry. That's probably an advanced tactic. So if you're not into journaling regularly, what I'd encourage you to do is just simply turn up in front of the blank page or your computer or just get a pen and paper or even dictate into your phone and just treat it as a form of writing practice for 10 or 15 minutes before you carry on with the day's creative work. Because often turning up will help you solve problems like writer's block and become more prolific. And all of that brings me nicely to this week's interview with Pascal Gambardella. Pascal Gambardella holds a PhD and is an author and lecturer who over the years has specialised in topics like creative, thinking and neurosemantics, semantics And he's actually taught his students how to conquer creative problems like writer's block, which we've just talked about, and how to become prolific writers. And in this interview, we riff on those topics and he explains to me how he encourages prolific writing with his students, the questions you should ask yourself at the start of any writing project, whether that be a, an article, a blog post, or something longer like a book, why every writer should trigger a creative state, and how exactly you can do that using an anchor, and what his writing routine today looks like. There's lots more we get into in this interview, but I started by asking Pascal to give me a bit of background about himself and his approach.
0: Well, my first experience was with writer's block when I was in uh, went to college. I had uh, my SAT score was very low for English, so they put me in a remedial English class in college, and I barely could write two paragraphs. I had all these rules on one side, and I tried to fit the paragraphs into rules, tried to write based on these rules, and I got nowhere fast. I was treating it like mathematics. So that was my first experience. But over 40, 50 years, I've gotten past that. And the irony is that now when I sit to write, well, first of all, this may be odd, but when I write, I enjoy doing mathematics. I relax when I do mathematics. So when I write, now I get into a state as if I'm doing mathematics, but yet it's a more relaxing, calm state. And I can go into it and come out of it. So that's the uh, irony. And does it take
1: long for you to get into that state? No, I just need to sit in
0: my chair, have a cup of coffee and relax. It doesn't need to be perfect. I'll write yeah. something. I'm writing a paper now, 12,000-page word paper. I'm just about finished with it. And it's not that I write when I'm sitting down. Sometimes I'll, I'll be writing it. Then I'll be puzzled about something. I'll get up, walk around do something else. and then, But I'll still be thinking about it in the back of my mind and then I'll come back to it and get back into that state. It's actually in, now, given 50 years later, 60 years later, it's very enjoyable to write to me. Uh, so I once taught a course on prolific writing and it was to a playwright. He had writer's block. He couldn't write a play. And we went through this course, just me and him. And I discovered that he had mixed up a state. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but there are states called meta states. For example, fear. If I'm I could be very fearful, but yet I can bring the frame of calm to the fear and have calm fear. Well, he had that something like that mixed up. Rather than calm fear, it was like fear calm. And once we figured that out, he was able to proceed. So I'm not sure if this makes much sense. But the states in which you use are important and and uncovering, particularly when you're coaching someone, what is the strategy they use to get into the writer's block? What are the issues that they confront? What strategy by strategy, I mean, when they're there sitting in their chair or wherever they're doing it and they're looking at the words and they're typing or writing what's going on in their minds. What do they see, feel and hear? And what's a trigger? When they say, oh, I can't do anymore, I write the sentence. Some people have writer's block when they write emails. What's the trigger? And then find out what's behind that. What's going on? Do they feel like they can't separate themselves from their behavior? If this writing is reflecting on who they are as a person, as opposed to, like, some people confuse being with doing. My feeling is that self-esteem is inherent. Everyone has self-esteem. You can't take that away from anyone. Self-esteem is there. It's self-confidence. It's the ability to learn and create, which is something we learn. And some people confuse that. Was that the issue? So my thinking is when I'm looking at someone going through issues, I'll find out what the issue is, where it comes from, and I'll be listing these issues. And then we'll find out what's the most important one. What's the one that if I change that one, if I coach to that one issue, it'll help them get beyond where they are.
1: A lot of new writers feel like what they're writing isn't good enough and that puts them off right? Or they're not good enough or they're an imposter. Yeah. Oh,
0: if I write this, they're going to discover I'm not really who I say I am. You know, I'm yeah. someone else. And my frame for that is I don't feel like I'm an expert at anything. If I said I'm an expert, that means that, well, I've given up and I have this fixed sense of who yeah. I am. I can't learn. So I think sometimes it's important to change the frame they're putting around something. Hmm. I don't have to be an expert. I'm not someone who's learning about this. Therefore, I can make mistakes. Yeah. Therefore, it doesn't reflect on me as a person. I don't have to be perfect. I mean, whatever whatever it is for a person, there might be some critical things that, that are involved, but I think it really is dependent on who you are. And working with someone, I'd like to work on their particular issues and find out what they really want. Why are they writing? Now, sometimes you say, I write because I like to share things with people. I write because, so I'm thinking, when I'm writing something, if I think of my higher intention of sharing things with people and I bring that to bear on my writing, then it makes it easier. I'm writing for someone and when they see it, hopefully they'll experience something of value. So there's a lot that
1: goes into it. So if I'm writing a book, for example, mm-hmm. I should reflect on why I'm writing the book. For Yeah.
0: Yes. For example, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'd ask you, why are you writing this book? And then you might say, I'm writing it because such and such. Then I'll ask you, why is that important? And you might say such and such. And, I'll, and we can do this if you want. And I can ask you, why is that important? And find out what's the most important thing about writing that book is. And, and you may not clearly understand that or you may and then once that top level important thing you know the critical thing i want to connect with the universe or whatever it happens to be you go in that frame from that frame at you sitting in that chair writing that book it brings that higher frame to bear on your current activities
1: and writing and it's a powerful tool it's one of the tools we use i like that i like that because i normally come up with you know five to seven reasons before i do something that takes a while like writing a book Mm -hmm. one other problem that you know, somebody who wants to write a book might have is they just can't find time to write or life gets in the way or there's lots of interruptions. And you mentioned there about five minutes ago about how you're able to switch on and off between that. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say to somebody who's getting interrupted a lot?
0: Well, when do they write? Are they causing the interruption? Are they causing it by looking at emails or other things? Or is someone interrupting them? And my question to them is what is it about the interruptions? Can you move yourself somewhere else? And they say, no. I said, why not? I'd be more curious as to if they've actually decided they want to write something, why are they putting themselves in a position where they'll be interrupted or interrupt themselves? So I'd, I'd be curious about that with a person. So I've read some people get up five, four in the morning to write yeah. before they go to work. And there's another thing, there's a technique in neurosemantics called the excuse blowout. So interruptions, are they an excuse? You know, what part of it is actually valid? What part of it's not? I would go through this, it's like a dragon, a dragon state. We take this person, I walk through this person through that, if it's an excuse and see what's the valid part of it is and what it isn't, we work on getting rid of it and having them realize this is really an excuse. That so if
1: I wanted to do that myself, like, you know, I'm not working with a neurosemantic coach for like like you were. Yeah. How would I do that? Is it through journaling or is it through something else?
0: There is books on, on some of these techniques. You can actually read them and try them yourself. One is called The Source Book of Magic by Michael Hall volume two, you can read up some of these things or you can talk to me about what you would like to do yeah. <laughs> for free <laughs> or anyone can actually.
1: So let's say, you know, I've I figured out what I'm making excuses about, you know, I'm just not getting up early enough because that's that's something that I had to do. But I'm still facing the occasional interruption that, that breaks that flow state. And it's just something that I can't avoid. I all know, let's say the dog barked downstairs or an alarm went off, but now I have time to get back in to writing for another hour. How do yeah, I get yeah. back into that state quicker? So
0: we would, that's from the accessing personal genius training, but it's a university of Madison, we call it a genius state. And we practice doing that. We'd say we would install or have you access resource states that align with your writing. To access those resource states, and they might be complicated. To access those resource states, we might have you see a word, see a picture. Like I have a, I have a friend that went through 25 years of classes with me, we had, had a monthly NLP group. And whenever I give a presentation, I look at him in my mind. I see him. So I get into a state. So sometimes it's a couple of deep breaths. So some specific anchor that you can create for yourself once you have these resource states that you can get back in, then you practice. You sit there and have someone interrupt you and you practice going in and out of it. So that's, that's an outline of the process of, for that. Before that, there might be some things that are getting in the way of you getting back into the state that you need to deal with, like making excuses or something it might be something. But I would create the state that you're in and then create resources that you can access when you sit down and after a while, it becomes part of you. You might just pick up your pen and say, that's it. I picked up my pen or pencil.
1: And I'm off. Yeah, yeah. So I sometimes use noise canceled headphones and have like a playlist on Spotify of like ambient music. That could start you as an anchor. Yeah.
0: But when you do that, when you do that, what gets you into the state of writing? What do you think about anything or just hearing the music?
1: Uh, I would say when I put on those headphones and I listen to, to the ambient music, it's just mm-hmm. rainfall my mind kind of goes blank and I just, just focus on what's in front of me.
0: That's exactly what you're doing. So you're actually getting back into the state using that that technique, those anchors, that that rainforest, which is can be a very calming thing for someone to hear. Yeah. And but there's maybe something different for other people.
1: Yeah, perhaps it could be their environment as well, or I know some people have like uh something on their desk that they might keep mm-hmm. or or the poet Raymond Carver used to write in his car. How long do you think that that state can actually last before you How-
0: I, I would get up every 50 minutes, not just for physical. For me, it's physical. You know, you don't want to sit down with too long, but maybe an hour. Get up for an hour, 50 minutes, and then come back to it after. You get up, come back down again. It doesn't have to be for intense, unless you're really some really critical piece that you're temporarily working hard on and you want to get into it. But I would limit it for um, an hour or so.
1: Okay. I, I'm, I'm, how many hours should a person aim to do on a given day? Well, I do about four. 4 that's pretty impressive. <laughs>
0: I'd say again. Well, it's throughout the whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I go yeah. back and forth. And it could be not just writing, but it would be modeling. So I look at this. I might be modeling something and writing about it. But it really depends on what you're doing. I like to work at least four hours a day on something that requires my focus.
1: And I presume that means no multitasking or distractions like with your phone or social media or any of those other things.
0: Minimize them.
1: Yeah, yeah. At 50
0: minutes, okay, now I'll do the multitasking. Not multitasking, but yes, I, I might designated for the time after I'm doing this.
1: And any thoughts on digital versus analog tools? I'm very visual kinesthetic.
0: So, you I mean talking into a mic into a microphone to record what you're going mm, to write? Potentially, yeah, or pen and paper. I use mind maps, mind managed by Mindjet yeah. to get my my ideas through back and forth. I use mostly digital. I use mostly the computer, although I I do if I'm somewhere else, I have I carry I carry a notebook, a, a graphical notebook in my pocket you know, a small one, and I can't have a bigger one that I carry on trips. So if I'm on a plane, I'm not going to pull out my computer. I'm going to write on a book. If it's convenient to write on my computer at home or someplace, then I'll type on my computer. Otherwise, I'll I'll write. Uh, but I use that, plus I use Evernote. You know, I'm mostly media, but mostly I like make a picture of what I'm doing, write a mind map of what I'm doing. If I'm going to write a blog post many times, now I'm using Unsplash, but many times for many things, but I, I draw my own diagrams. I draw my own okay. pictures.
1: Okay. And do you find that supports the creative process, drawing versus writing? Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I, yes,
1: I really, I definitely think it supports the creative process. Yeah.
0: For me, it does. Being mathematically oriented and and my background is physics. I definitely appreciate that. I relax. When I draw, I relax. So sometimes to express something as a picture helps me write the words. Um, You'll see many pictures and words with my text, sometimes writing to the picture, but I'm writing to the mind map many times.
1: And one of the other courses you've taught is in prolific writing. So like what is prolific writing? That was an early version of this attesting piece of personal
0: genius applied to writing class, where it's about what we talked about, about, about managing the state. And it's also about there were references about how, how to become a best-selling author, you know, the current reference wherever you are in the in your time frame, it's about who's written about what does it mean to be a best-selling author. It wasn't much, at this time it was about 10 years ago, it wasn't much about tools you can use, like now, like Hemingway Editor or the grammar tools. It was more about what books are available to help you with your writing. What can you learn from them? What dragons get in the way, like perfectionism? It was this accessing personal genius training that we do, which is getting to the state, of, but it was more to, for writing. So it was basically the same thing, but a, an older version of this accessing personal genius training.
1: I mean, is a prolific writer somebody who produces a certain amount each year, or is it is it somebody who's able to get into a certain state...
0: I think that it's the person who created the course, Michael Hall, he must write a book a year or two books a year. And I've edited some of his books. So for him, it was writing a lot. He writes three blog posts a week. He writes. He's definitely the epitome of a prolific writer. For me, it's being able to go into the writing state and write a blog post every every month or two, being, being able to write uh, research papers. It's not the quantity. For me, it's not the quantity, but it's the ability to write easily but I understand the prolific is it's a frame. If you can be a prolific writer, then you probably have no problem with writer's block.
1: Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. I think maybe new writers would struggle with writer's block, but then they get over that problem. And then the next step is, is you know, to how can I write more?
0: And, and then my
1: question to, to that writer is, what is it about writing
0: more? You know, is it, is it, I want to reach more people. What's important about writing more? And then to say, how fast do you want to write to get what you want? And I guess to me, that's a balance. I could be writing every minute of the day and my li- the rest of my life will fall apart. So the question is, what's that balance? And some people may like that. They may want, that's all they care about is that's my life I'm writing. So when I hear, that's, that's what I would think. I'm always thinking about what's the balance.
1: So what's that balance for you at the moment?
0: The balance is, is a one research project at a time, writing blog posts. And I'm also thinking about a book on modeling. And my current title is The Psychology of Modeling. My current net title, what's the you psychology know. that goes into modeling anything? doing research in, in physics or system dynamics. I went to a System Dynamics Society conference this year, and I got to help people, people who PhD students, with their issues. And uh, it, it's much like writing. One person had this complicated diagram. She asked me, okay, when do I know when I'm, when I'm done? And I looked at the diagram, I heard the question, and I said, uh, are you a perfectionist? And she said, yeah. So the, so the question to my thing to her was like, maybe you need to chunk up a bit. Now, rather than have 20 things in your diagram thousands of, of arrows and, and connections maybe you just need to go up a level a couple of levels and that's my thinking at the moment
1: hmm. and that's do you have nice. it does it does yeah and do you have an, an ideal early morning routine yes no nothing
0: nothing major is, you know getting up maybe playing or with friends with my friend for one or two moves having breakfast and then getting my cup of coffee and sitting down and working you know, I like to work in the mornings what was the game you mentioned Warriors with friends it's like Scrabble for, your, for uh, I have one friend and we play. Uh, okay. We're high school friends. So we, we play chess when we were going to high school. Now we're playing this game. And it keeps, you know, you can message each other and keep in touch with your lives. So it's more than just a game, like everything okay. else. Okay.
1: I like that. I like that. So just something else you, you touched on there when you were coaching yeah. the PhD yeah. students was perfectionism. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is the root cause of perfectionism for creative people?
0: Well, there are different fears people have. And it could be fear of not being good enough. They have to keep working on it to prove that they, they're good enough to prove that in that sense, they might be confusing who they are, what they do. I need to do this better and better and better so I can prove that I'm, I'm a person, a good person or, or, or a debt person or an expert or something. So that could be a, a possible cause of it. Also, they might have an external reference. So usually what's happening sometimes is that, is an ex- that they need the an external reference, someone to say that this is good. So when I ask a person, how do you know you've done a good job? I listen. Do they say, well, I see and I can clearly read it and and I understand it? Or do they say, I only know if someone else tells me it's a good job. And in reality, there's really a balance. You need to think about how well you're doing, but also you need a balance of someone else saying, yes, uh, I see that. Um, You miss this. Like my wife is very good at logic. So she'll read my writing and she'll pick up things I would never have thought. I would assume people knew. So does that make
1: sense? Because I'm
0: not good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that kind of validation is one of the reasons why people write. The other reasons could be, you know, to earn more money or to share their message with the world. One other thing I was wondering was, like, you've written extensively nonfiction, both academic and, and a book <laughs> and so on. Have you ever used your approach to write fiction or is nonfiction your kind of specialism? Well, I've been um, trying to write
0: stories. So when I write my nonfiction, I'm trying to tell stories about my life or other people's lives. So, lately, I even took a storytelling course in BC, going, getting started writing, audience telling a story. So, my thinking is that, yes, I want to write, I'm tempted by fiction, but I really, but right now I'm mostly focused on nonfiction, but telling stories in my, in my nonfiction. Um, yeah. So, what I do is I gather books on storytelling and I start practicing.
1: <laughs> have, you re- have you read uh, Robert McKee's work? No, I don't think so. Yeah, well, he, what, he covers storytelling and nonfiction in his book, Storynomics, and his course as well. That's probably something that we want. I haven't heard that. Yeah, I I, I need to look into that, yeah. Yeah. And what are you up to at the moment? I'm
0: finishing a paper on the collapse of the Maya civilization. It's this week. I'll finish it. Send it out to my co-authors. And it's 12,000 words. And we've been working on this project for three years.
1: That's a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a process of discovery. Believe me. And part of it's mathematical. We we were mistaken on our equations. We corrected them. Sitting in a conference, I heard someone say something. I said, oh, my God, we could use that. That's what they so it's just about done. And so that's my main project. And the other thing is that we're giving a course on creativity and innovation in, in April. So we'll be planning that in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, okay. Neurosemantics.
1: Um, is, is that's a, uh, is that in a college or university, that course? No, it's, no, it's
0: in, it's in a venue. In, okay. In just a venue. It's a, it's a, uh, with three, we have three trainers doing it, three of us doing it. Mostly because we like working together. And this yeah. topic is a great topic for
1: teaching um, and what type of people do you get on a, you know, a workshop like that? We get people,
0: writers, people in business who want to have more innovation in their, in their business. People who want to learn more about NLT and neurosemantic techniques as applied to their work. I think most anyone needs some creativity in their
1: lives. Uh, people want to learn more about you or your work, Pascal, where, where can they find you? Uh, my
0: website is pascalgambardeller.com and right, they can so learn as much as they want about me.
1: <laughs> and that's G-A-M-B-A-R-D-E-L-L-A.
0: Yes, my last name and first name is P-A-S-C-A-L. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, great. And I'll I have resources, stories, lots of things here. Okay. Podcasts. okay. Well, it was great to talk to you today, Pascal. Yes, same here, Brian. Okay, take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course.